0: Privacy, I think, should be something that every single one of us thinks about when thinking about shaping and collecting and maintaining their data sets. I think it's easy to forget, of course, because we collect more than we need a lot of times and it's sits.
1: You are listening to the Product Builders Podcast. Each week on the show, we bring you conversations with experts and innovators building digital products. Our conversations help you gain behind the scenes insights into building some of today's most innovative companies. Subscribe and be sure to check out our website for more at ProductBuildersPodcast.com.
2: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Product Builders Podcast. This is your host, Mark Garcia, and on the show today, we have special guest, Yari Kumala. Yari is an analytics engineer at SeatGeek. She has an expertise in business intelligence, data science, analytics engineering, and a deep passion for democratizing data and empowering new data users. Uh, Yari, really great having you on the show today. How is everything going?
0: Uh, everything's good. I'm really happy to be here and get a chance to talk about things that I love talking about.
2: (laughs) Likewise, we're very excited to have you on the show today. And you've heard me say data a number of times in my introduction about you. So if our listeners haven't guessed it already, today's conversation is going to be centered around data. But before we dive into things, I'd love if you can give me your own introduction about who you are and what you do.
0: Yeah. So as Mark said, I'm Yeri Kumala, and I work as an analytics engineer, and I've had the opportunity to wear many different hats in the data space. And I actually started my career in public health, using surveillance data sets and data just to inform policy, shape programs, and just convince people to get healthier, right? And think about, like, how do you improve the well-being at a population level? So my data journey has been interesting before falling into more of the tech world and what we talk about in the modern data stack and this new space of analytics engineering.
2: Awesome. And analytics engineering, for those people who might not be familiar with that title or that role, can you talk a little bit about what your... Role entails and the responsibilities of your day to day?
0: Yes. So, definitely one of those titles that ballooned over the last, who knows, five to 10 years, I'd say, but it wasn't a thing. But I think the tool that really propelled this particular job title is especially DBT. But what is analytics engineering? The way I define it and the way others define it is I get to understand the business needs. So, basically, really understand the different functions or kind of the kinds of questions that companies are trying to answer. And then I turn that data into something that they can use on a regular basis. So I productionize that data. So I find ways to automate it and make sure that we are really thinking about the quality and consistency of having one source of truth and one way of thinking about these business questions instead of approaching it as ad hoc analysis.
2: So you've dropped uh, my keyword in there, data. We're talking about data today. And one of the things I mentioned earlier is that democratization of data, right? That's a very big part of your role and what you focus on. And as well in the business world, that's something that's important to people in general. Can you give a definition, a brief, very simple definition of democratizing data? I know it's a bit of a buzzword, but how can people better understand what that means?
0: Yes, it's definitely a buzzword, but really at the root of it is just all about making data accessible and usable. So making sure that you can understand it, you know what is available to you within your space, and you know how to access it and you know how to use it to answer the questions that are most important to you. That's really what data democratization is all about.
2: Awesome, and why is it so important to democratize data? Why would people want to be looking at these things and analyzing them?
0: So we now live in a world with so much information and so much data at our disposal. And when you think of data, it's anything that you can use to drive decision. Anything that you can look at consistently that helps shape how you think about the world, how you think about your work, how you think about the people you serve or shape products for. And so it's important because you need it on a day-to-day now. You can't avoid it. And we live in a time where everyone now has this shared understanding that there's information out there and we should be using it. And we should not just be making decisions without being as informed as we can be.
2: I love how you talk about data in our, our day-to-day. So I want to touch on this two points, I guess, in terms of data. Let's start first in the business world. Can you talk a little bit more about how businesses can optimize data? I know, of course, there's analytics, and that's a very basic level of understanding. But from your expertise, how can businesses really dig into data to optimize whatever it might be, their, their workflows or their platforms or their technology?
0: So I think it's really important to keep it simple. We like to complicate things because there's so many tools, there's so many approaches and you hear about something new or new gadget and AI. And, but at the root of it is you need to start really simple and really focused. And what I mean by that is spending time really trying to understand how you want to use it in your business, how you want to use it to inform your product. That means you need to have a clear vision of the kinds of questions you want to be able to answer, the kinds of things you want to know, And the way I like to think about it is like, what story do you want to tell? And how do you want to set yourself apart from everyone else in your space? And that's where it starts. And then you can start thinking about what information you have access to as a business that will help you answer that, not just once, but on a regular basis. So that's how I think about it.
2: That's great. And so working in products as well myself, I know storytelling is a big component to user experience, right? It's not anymore just about clicking a button. It's about creating this, let's call it an immersive experience, even if it is just an app. So I love that you've mentioned storytelling and using data to inform storytelling. That's a great point. And you had mentioned earlier making data accessible. So data can be really (laughs) overwhelming, I'm sure you can attest to that. How do you ensure that the insights you are pulling from data are understandable? And how can people make informed decision-making and understand the data that's coming in through different tools, if you will?
0: Yeah. So one thing you'll keep hearing me say over and over again is I'm not going to emphasize the tools, but I'm going to emphasize the questions, right? And the pain points you're trying to solve for. Because it has to be something that you relate to. So a lot of people, their experience with data sometimes might be they need a report on something or they need to answer a question that someone higher up or a board member has asked them about that that will either support funding or something else. It's not always direct. It's not something that everybody thinks about immediately. Like, I like numbers. That's not the first reaction you get from most folks. And so a big part with this movement, with using data to make decisions, is also making sure people understand how it improves their life. So you have to understand the pain points. So the, like in your day-to-day, what kind of decisions are you making that data would support, reinforce, or help you make better decision, right, and the next decision? And you have to shift how people think about the decisions that they're making on a daily basis and start thinking about how they could use it to support it. So a lot of us also... Based on your expertise, I would say, Mark, tell me a little bit about one of your products and you, how do you think the users are using it? And if you had no data in front of you, maybe you're based on what you've seen in the past, based on what you understand about the subject area, based on the topic, you might have an assumption or hunch, right? Of what you think is happening just because you have the subject matter expertise, right? So you should lean into that, get people to lean into that, but focus on, so what can you use out there? that's available to you to confirm or negate this assumption. Instead of thinking of numbers as this thing that you just report on, or just this key performance indicator that tells you, yes, you're doing okay, you're doing bad. It's more about what's your, how do you redefine this relationship that you have with data? As you can tell, I have a very different view of, I find it amazing. I think it's in everything that we do. It's everywhere. So it's just shifting. How can you use it to support your expertise? Or help you refine the things that you're already doing every day.
2: That's really funny because I feel like when people talk about data, there's this assumption that it is all about crunching numbers. It's very analytical and stale. And yes, it's funny who says I love numbers. I'm sure there are people out there, but uh, data is much more than that. And so I want to dig into this idea that you just mentioned. So you emphasize the purpose and the question over the tool. Can you dig into that more? Are you saying that users or people that want to get into data should not rely on, let's say, a single method of collecting information? Is that what you mean by that?
0: That is really what I mean about you can be scrappy. I think about it is that if you focus on the question and what you're solving for, you don't limit yourself in how you can approach it. And it is helpful to know certain coding language. It is helpful to know certain tools. All those things are helpful, but can be learned. But I think what is harder to really nail down is what you're really trying to accomplish with it consistently. So I say question over tools and processes because you can pull information. When you start really honing in on what you're really trying to solve for, you can start getting creative. Because if you don't limit yourself with just thinking about the tools that you need to use, you stop limiting yourself what kind of data you can use and how you're defining data. What kind of information do you want to pull in to tell the story? And it's a good approach because then you can think big and then get realistic, right? You can start focused, honing in on what exists versus what doesn't exist what you have access to, what needs to be bought, how do you want to, what you are defining as extremely valuable now versus later, you start thinking about, start making those decisions. But if you start with the tools that you have access to, or the approaches that you're used to, you are already in a box in terms of how you're thinking about data and how you're going to access the data, because you're only confining yourself to this box, right? You're like, I only use, transform this data this way. I can only pull this level of information. I have only access to this event streaming data. And then that's all your picture of what's available to you is only those things.
2: I think that's really relevant because a lot of product owners will equip their products, their platforms, their apps with analytics and assume that's all they need to optimize things, right? I guess that comes from a, maybe a limited understanding of what's possible when collecting data. Do you have any ideas, strategies, or approaches in terms of breaking down barriers that exist between that gap of knowledge of data, right? So I think people just think there's a one way to look at information as very quantitative. How can you get people more on board with doing more of this research and implementing more of these data gathering solutions, if you will, if they don't already subscribe to believing in the power of data?
0: Yeah. So one thing I've started, I've been thinking about this particular question a lot, actually. And last year I did a small talk on this at the DBT COLS conference. And I talked about it in terms of moving from data magician to data coach. And the reason why I used that phrase at the time is because you need to think about the data experts that you work with should be your partners and coach coaches versus the ones that are solving or whatever you're asking. So right now, Ask you a question mark, like how do you work with your data team or anyone that provides you data information that could be helpful to shape your product?
2: Well, brief overview, yeah, we look at a lot of the numbers, the quantitative stuff, and when possible, we try to get qualitative data where it is more of the candid user feedback and storytelling and more of the emotional aspect that you can't necessarily put numbers to, but you can get a lot of insight from. If, say, we're building an app meant to do X,YZ, and a user says, I love the app, but I use it for something completely different. We can then say to ourselves, well, what are we building this app for? Or do we have to pivot? Is this a single use case, uh, an outlier? Or is everybody using it for different methods? So we try to find a balance between all of that.
0: And you're using exactly what's in front of you. When you talk with your data folks, it's the numbers. and That's a good thing, right? But how many times do you sit with your data experts and really focus on, I imagine a lot of product and program focused folks have these big questions that they don't get to wrestle with their data partner because everyone's approaching it from a limited view. And so what this means, like how do you expand and change the way you think about it, is like true partnership in exploring the bigger questions. Of course, it's hard to do. This is, of course, a dream of mine. This idea of you're sitting and you're not just saying, well, I'm using this tool and Right now, this is how we look at our users and this is what this is telling us. Everyone has this larger goal they're working towards, right? So it's like, what happens if we are thinking out of the box around how we want to better understand our users beyond just tooling, beyond what's just available to us? How can we stretch ourselves? What kind of questions do we need to start playing with? How can you, as the data person, tell me creative ways to start thinking about it? Because that's the toolbox that a data expert has. You can start problem-solving in many different ways or tweaking how you think about a question. A lot of times, though, we are data folks just execute, right? You give them a question, they'll look at it, and they look at it from their perspective. I'll look at it from my perspective. But the shift has to be like they have to re- truly look at it from your perspective so that you can then get closer at find innovative ways of answering this question beyond just the surface level stuff, where it's, I don't know, this user journey looks like this based on this particular way we captured information. It's like, all right, let's push ourselves a little bit more out of a conference and talk to each other based on how we can tease out even more nuances, I guess, from the information. Because I say this because a lot of places think they are not as data rich as they actually are, and they are. If you have captured any information, I can guarantee it might not be the cleanest data. But it's, you have a lot of information in your hands. It's just the types of questions that you can drill into would require you really working in partnership with your data folks.
2: You just asking me these questions alone are making me think different things about how I should be accessing my data. And I think it's really true in terms of when you talk about product teams, the different teams look at data very differently and the way they address them and iterate upon a product. And I feel like there isn't a lot of collaboration that happens. You have someone give you the data, you have stakeholders say, okay, well, the ROI needs to go up and we need to make more money off this. Then you have the designers saying, well, individuals don't like this feature or they want to see this. And so it's probably a very complicated tightrope that people are walking to figure out what to do with this data.
0: Exactly. And all this means zooming out a little bit more because our data teams have grown extensively, right? And have become more layered. I mean, you have roles like analytics engineer and data scientists and data analysts and business analysts and like all these different things. And so we are siloed in some ways and people are defining things differently. My favorite one is like engagement. What does engagement mean? It means something different to you, it means something different to me. And then We have then somewhat, you can build a KPI based on one view and forgetting there are so many ways, rich ways of thinking about engagement based on each team. And maybe that's the focus for not all these, what's the cohesive picture and is that a good driver for like how the lens that you take for all your data points. So it's just shifting how we consume, think about it beyond just like looking at the numbers to look at the numbers.
2: Yeah, that's a great point. I think back to the old KPI. I don't want to say old, I know people still use it, but the idea of impressions, right? Uh, Especially with streaming networks where people, it's become a much more communal activity. And so it could be one household, but that can be five people seeing your content. And so what does that number actually mean? I think you have to dig deeper and find other ways to reach your audience and get actual valuable, accurate feedback. So that's funny that it's just shifted so much, I think, in this past couple of years with all of this digital connection, if you will. And so I know we're talking a lot about data and numbers and pulling all this information out. I think another key aspect of the work that you do is conveying these insights effectively or data visualization. So can you speak to effective ways to present complex data points to different stakeholders? How does reporting work or do we do dashboards? What are some best practices, ideas, recommendations you have?
0: Yeah, I think that is a fantastic question. And it's something that I have some great like data practitioners that we just meet once a month and just talk about some of these topics. And a friend Taylor talked about moving away completely from dashboards. And the first time you hear it, you're like, whoa, that's a lot. But I liked it because it challenged how you have these conversations, right? Everyone's gotten used to the many different dashboards and visualizations. So taking a step back, I shouldn't be overwhelming, right? I know there are lots of best practices for how to do effective dashboards, how to make sure it's not overloaded with information, how to guide how people read the information that you're presented to them so that they are taking away exactly what you intended them to take away, which also means sometimes limiting how it's shared and how they interact with it. And then there's also another shift where you want this self-serve analytics, right? So you want these dashboards that people can interact with. So what are the guardrails and how do you coach them and teach them to truly understand the limitations and strengths of the data? So I say all of this because what matters is how you want to have the conversation. If the moving away from dashboard, what I liked about it is because you can start thinking about it beyond just a report, it's like honing in on trying to start from what kind of, usually it comes from a question. What question are you helping the team navigate and how can you help them experience the data in that way? And it could be a flow, right? Like from where it's coming from and seeing that journey, the data journey a little bit and like how they are going to use it and how it comes loops back in, right? To once you make that decision, how would you tell that it's going in the right direction? What would you want to see? So it's having these conversations in a slightly more interesting way. It's a human element. But if you are strictly thinking also of just the dashboard and the visuals you're sharing, I think it's important to spend the time to build the, your team's data literacy. And so one thing that I haven't always seen enough of is that there's an assumption that once you have a BI tool, whatever business intelligence tool that you have, be it Tableau, Looker, Mode, Thoughts, whatever it is, that someone will just be excited and be like, oh, this is all I needed. And even if it's guided and it's well mapped out, but it's also just making sure, are you all understanding what this is supposed to do? That's the data visualizations are supposed to make it easier for you to understand what's available. But it's like, you can't assume that everyone understands how things are defined, where they're coming from. You want to make sure they trust what they're seeing. You want to make sure you address like, the additional questions they might have that they don't always ask. So it's changing it from just the visualization to how do you foster the ongoing conversation and how do you understand your audience? Is it a very data savvy group where you don't have to do a lot of the handholding, but you really need to push how you talk about it and how they want to engage with it on a regular basis? Or is it one where they're just like, ah, oh, we need to have it. We need to do something with it. <laughs> um, so I think the theme with a lot of this is just, it should be a conversation. If you can turn this idea of like how you're presenting information into a conversation, then you can start figuring out how you present that to them, be it a visualization, a dashboard, or not a dashboard, just this journey of the data and making it very personal. So, yeah.
2: That shook me, getting rid of dashboards. I can't even imagine. (laughs) what that would look like for users or even stakeholders as well that might have been a little bit to be fair a bit of a loaded question because i think data visualization and conveying complex data sets has been a problem that i myself and my team has had to tackle for so long is how do you present things that people can understand and how do you get people to feel engaged with it, right? It can be boring sometimes. It can be, people don't want to look at reports and numbers. They just want to jump to the solutions. So I love this notion of having or changing things to be more of a conversation versus a straight, let's say, report or dashboard or whatever you might be presenting. But still, I think data visualization, a problem to be solved. Maybe one day we'll get to an effective solution there. We've spoken a lot about the different challenges. So there's like the collaboration, the visualization. Are there any thoughts you have on privacy concerns? So in terms of democratizing data, we're trying to make it more accessible. But have you ever seen anything where that could be an issue of making something maybe too accessible or just issues with data in general?
0: Yeah, I feel like that's a real concern across the industry in general. I think it depends on what field you're in. When I was in health, it was even more important for you to be smart about how you are sharing or if you're working with clients, a range of clients, like how you handle data and what is shared. I think when it comes to privacy and data, my first rule of thumb, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, is moving towards focusing on only collect what you need, right? First and foremost, it should be Only collect what you need, and that means you need to do your homework of what do you need? (laughs) What do you try to... Because we like to collect things, all of us, and then it sits. And that's when it becomes more of a concern. Who can access and how they can access it, right? And what you put yourself at risk for. The other part is when you're talking about data democratization and what levels of access you want the different parts of your org to have these are things that require you, some of it's going to be sensitive information. And so it's like, how do you start thinking about access to information? What does it mean for your business? And why is it important to, if you need a limited why, right? And how do you do it effectively so that people feel like they are still getting the insights they need to get. And so privacy, I think should be something that every single one of us thinks about when thinking about shaping and collecting and maintaining their data sets I think it's easy to forget of course because we collect more than we need a lot of times and it sits. I know even personally sometimes you're like oh it's there I don't even know how it's used and I know it could have sensitive information and then you got to remember oh how do you make sure you do that in a safe way. So those are just realities of the field. I think it's making sure you have the right processes in place. Don't wait until it's an issue, but start thinking of it ahead of time and getting the right people in place in terms of data governance. Even if you're not doing it, you don't have the resources to have a person just doing that standalone. Just taking the time to think through that.
2: I won't mention any brand names or company names, but I would love to tell some people to only collect (laughs) what you need.
1: (laughs) Um, we are, yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think that's great advice for companies, smaller companies getting into data. I wish some of the larger ones might maybe heed that advice, but I'm not sure they'll take it so well. But you mentioned having the right processes in place, particularly when it comes to privacy and governance. So I'd like to just back it out a little bit and ask, so if a company, a brand, an individual, whoever it may be is interested in diving into data, using it, to optimize their business or democratization. What are some first steps or what are some initial pathways a business might be able to take to start getting into data, using it correctly, and building the right processes that we are talking about here?
0: That's a good question. So I haven't had the opportunity to map that out with any organization. This is something that is purely theoretical in terms of just if you were starting from scratch when it comes to the data privacy level, I've always come into organizations that have defined it or start thinking about it. So what I would say for like smaller companies, I think is thinking about that as early on as possible. And these processes are as simple as like, where does information sit? How long do you keep information for? Who has access to the highly sensitive? Do you need to keep it? But basically being able to think through some of these things before you're faced with either regulations based on like where you're working or based on like riskier things when breaches, right? Like how do you want to handle that kind of stuff? So it's like the teeny tiny details. And of course, there are experts in the field that spend their entire career and roles doing that kind of work. As in my function, a lot of times I am enforcing and supporting that. And I'm making sure that when I'm thinking about data as a whole, you aggregate as much as possible. You don't try to only keep the most detailed grained if you absolutely need it, and anonymized data that you can anonymize. So things like that, practices that help you make sure your data is the best that you can get, but also very cognizant of being sensitive of people's information.
2: I love that. And even just the simple questions of understanding where this data lives can inform a lot of decision-making, business insights, et cetera. So that's great that you brought it back and simplified things for our audience here. So I know we've been talking a lot about data in business and optimizing platforms, but I'm curious to know what role data plays in your personal life or what relevance it has for you personally outside of, let's say a work context.
0: Yes. Well, I am definitely a data nerd and so is my husband. (laughs) And I can give you three examples just like this. So you see this wonderful library behind me. I have about 700 books and I have tracked them all. I have the titles when they're published. I have a little app and because I love seeing trends. I love how much have you read? Who has read what? And it's the fun kind of things that you do. And I do the same thing. We do the same thing with our cooking. So we love to cook. And we have this crazy recipe directory with all the associated books. And all this to say is I have my own personal database. (laughs) (laughs) We are creating this personal database of the things that are important to us, right? So it's like food and like tricks and which books and what page and how you prep and you just can pivot and do all these kind of funky things with it. So for me, data is personal. And that's why I, for years, like I also see it as something very creative And so I know some people see it very rigid, but I think of it as a really creative way of viewing the world and just trying to understand the patterns. So I'm fascinated by the patterns that surround me and the puzzles. And so everything I see and I interact with, I think of it in terms of patterns. And that's a role of data in my personal life. And so what that means is I track track. I lived in Denver and I tracked, I went to 30 different coffee shops in the region and I would like... To score the lighting, <laughs> the drinks. Ah, okay. <laughs> so all that to say, it's a perfect question for me, the person who loves to collect <laughs> information.
2: That is fantastic. And I mentioned earlier how many books you have behind you. So the fact that you've got them all categorized, I don't know how you have it set up, but the fact that you have a database for your books is amazing. <laughs> um, you could start your own library, just have people check those out.
0: Oh yeah, (laughs) believe me, that's the
2: (laughs) goal. And it's funny, I I added this question on here because I found it interesting in preparing for this chat with you today. I thought to myself, well, data is such a, you think of it from such a business oriented perspective, right, of analytics and optimizations and all the buzzwords we can throw out there. And I thought to myself, what is the relevance of it in my personal life? Didn't think there was one. And then I realized, well, actually, I might not have databases like you, but I definitely consume reporting in terms of, let's say, like my finance apps. I look at, where's my money going this month? Okay, 75% is going out to eat. Maybe we should dial that back. Or health trackers, I do a lot of that. And so data is actually very relevant to individuals, and I don't think everybody understands how much we use it. I think we, we look at it in the context of business, and we forget how much of it touches our personal life
0: exactly yeah i mean i love that you said the fitness app for example if you're ever tracking your steps some of us sometimes have goal steps and all of a sudden you see it it's below what you expect and all of a sudden you see someone get up and start moving and you're like that's really what it's like even in a business context that's how it should be it's sometimes like how do you respond to this information that you have access to
2: yeah i have done that i've started i've I've set that 10k steps a day goal. So sometimes I'll just get up and walk around the office in, in loops and people are like, what are you doing? I'm like, it's fine. Step.
0: <laughs> got to get that movement.
2: <laughs> exactly. And so I know we've talked in a lot about data here and I'm curious to know your thoughts on, there's a lot of innovative tech going on right now. We've got AI, machine learning, all of these things happening. What do you feel is the future in terms of data and advancements that can be made using new technology have you dabbled in using AI to work with data what are your thoughts there
0: yeah I think it's really fascinating I think I personally still wrap in my head around what is that really going to look like right in our day-to-day but in terms of playing around like many folks I started playing with general just playing with looking at the code it generates, right? Answering, just using it as a source of information and a spark to make my work easier as much as possible, whenever possible. From that front, it's exciting to see the potential. Question that a friend asked me earlier this week actually is can AI make us more human in the data world? And I loved it because if you think about it, it could automate all this, the coding and the redundant elements of the job when you think about it from the data side. And frees up the space to be more creative and have the conversations that we were just talking about earlier, right, in this talk, in our conversation. And you're like, yeah, maybe you will make us more human in some ways. Are there flaws? Of course. But like any new technology, everyone is trying to figure out where does it fit in. I think what is overwhelming is that everywhere you turn... And I'm talking especially about uh, generative AI, like it's everywhere, right? Everyone's embedding it in their tools and their approaches. And so that's overwhelming because you're like, it start, It feels like it's losing its meaning, right? You're like, you're not sure if it's as helpful as it could be. But I still think that if the dust settles and we start seeing the patterns, <laughs> it'll be exciting to see how it becomes part of my workflow. I hope that it becomes part of my workflow. I hope it frees up the space for me to be as creative as I can be and challenge how people think about information, right? So, yeah.
2: That's really interesting. You, people talk about AI as replacing the human. So to hear someone say, can we use AI and all of this innovation to make us more human is really flipping things on its head. But it's accurate the way you pose it is if we can use AI to do some of this more processed analytical part of the job, that frees up your time to do some of that more human conversation all of that aspect. So that's really cool. And I'm interested to see now AI, as you put it, how it settles the dust and what's going to go from here. Great. I'm going to actually go ahead and start back in this conversation out. I was curious to know if there has been a very memorable moment in your career so far, or if there's just been any milestones that really stood out to you in your data career.
0: I think the biggest thing for me was reaching a point where I felt technical enough. And what I mean by that is we talked about tools a little bit earlier, and I realized that the challenge with this space is that you always have to learn, which is good, right? As a lifelong learner, I love that part, but it also means you always feel like you never know enough because there are so many things out there. And I think I really hit that maybe a year and a half ago after being in this space and also having a previous career in public health, right, and realizing that it's about the concepts. Do you know how to navigate the sea of information and know how to like learn and jump into these things? Because the logic is the same. It doesn't matter what coding language you are using. There's a lot of, it's really about the thinking. And so once I hit the, am I stopped questioning myself, am I technical enough? There was a sense of relief that I could just also just be me right? And really lean into what I'm good at and how I think about data problems and get as creative as I want to be. And so I say that because it's something now that I say a lot. I was like, this idea of being technical enough is just, if you've been in this space for a certain amount of time, I think you may need to stop asking that question and just focus in on like, how are you understanding the big picture things that make this field a unique field?
2: I love that. And I don't even think it's pigeonholed to data and engineering. I think anyone in any field, when you reach a certain point can have that feeling of, am I enough? Do I know enough about my area of expertise? I've definitely certainly felt it as a senior manager. I'm like, oh man, is this imposter syndrome? I can't keep up with all this new tech. So that's really insightful. And I really love that tidbit that you just shared. So, I know we've covered quite a bit on our conversation today. We like to wrap these up with what we call our majestic bite, which is the key takeaway that we want our audience to walk away with. So, Yari, can you share what your majestic bite would be for this episode?
0: It would be don't be afraid to prototype your way to a solution. It could be a career, it could be a data problem, it could be anything because it doesn't have to be polished. You just have to test things out. And that's how I've approached my career. That's how I've approached when I look at data problems. I like this idea of, and that's why it's people focused, right? You've got to test things out and see what resonates. And to see whether something resonates requires that you have conversations. So yes, prototype. <laughs> that is
2: a fantastic bite. Thank you for sharing. Yeri, where can people go to find out more about you or your work? Is there anywhere you want to direct them to?
0: I will say find me on LinkedIn. Right now, I try to be as active as I can be. I'm also in Locally Optimistic and DPT Slack and Operational Analytics. So Slack and LinkedIn are my spaces.
2: Awesome, and we'll link out to those as part of this episode. Yeri, thanks so much for being on the show today. It was really great talking to you.
0: Same here, absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you for listening and we hope you found this episode insightful. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a five-star review. You can find more information and links to all the resources mentioned in today's episode at productbuilderspodcast.com. This episode is brought to you by Majestic Apps. We imagine, design, and build digital products. With clients like Chevrolet, AudioMac, IBM, Barefoot, and more, you can be sure you're in good hands. Reach out to us at MajesticApps.com.